Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. You know, this month, my wife and I are celebrating our 12th wedding anniversary, so I was looking at some pictures uh, from our wedding from 12 years ago, and I how good I look in that tuxedo from Leon Tailoring. Not just me, but all my groomsmen as well. And so if you got a big formal event or a wedding this fall, or maybe wedding next spring, think about our good friends over at Leon Tailoring. Larry, Norm, Kim, and Judy would be happy to see you. I'm happy to make you look as good today as I did 12 years ago. Well... It'll almost look as good as me as 12 years ago. I'm just kidding. So we're going to buy Leon Tailoring. They'll be happy to see you. 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. Well, when Indian lawmakers come back, one of the issues they will probably take up is the issue of legalized cannabis in some form or another. And so join us in studio are the representatives of Indiana Normal. They're the organization that has fought for marijuana legalization here in the state of Indiana. Alicia Tucker-Dottery, William Henry, and Andy Bowman are guests in the program today. So, Alicia, uh, William, and uh, Andy, thank you all very much for being with us. Always good to have you here. Well, thank you for having us. Alicia, let me start with you. What is the status of marijuana legalization here in Indiana so far? Right now, it is illegal um, possessing <clears throat> a cannabis of any kind, flower, um, unless it's like a 0.03 or less percent um, of THC. You're not permitted to have that product. Uh, Andy, uh, marijuana's laws, what's, what are the likelihoods of something passing the legislature this year? It's going to be a fight, but I think we have a very solid chance at passing a cannabis commission or agency, and then uh, it'll be a fight for sure, but I think we have a solid chance of passing a, a, a medical in Indiana. Uh, well, let me ask you, uh, how has the the messaging as a communications guy re regarding marijuana changed over time? Well, we still want to focus on education and the facts and the science behind cannabis legalization. And that that's first and foremost. And we, we try to do that with the legislators and we try to do that uh, directly by advocating uh, at the state house. And, and we've employed Andy Bauman this year uh, to get his help down at the state house to get us in these meetings face to face to help educate these lawmakers uh, on the facts and the science behind cannabis uh, itself and, and the human endocannabinoid system. Uh, Alicia, let me ask you because obviously, you're when you when you're trying to uh, go for marijuana legalization, you're you're fighting against history, and almost a hundred years of marijuana's evil. I remember the the horrible movie Reefer Madness, with yeah. the woman was smoking a joint, playing the piano really really fast. Like I've never known anybody who smoked that much marijuana and played the piano that fast that <laughs> quick. Uh, but but it's still part of our part of our cultural history. So how do you how do you push for legalization when for so long? You know, so many people, our parents and grandparents age have been told that marijuana is horrible and evil and it's, it's, the, it's the devil's lettuce. Sure, we have to break the stigma um, as we look at new information, new facts, and uh, as we're getting educated. Uh, we really need to ask the question, how can Indiana justify spending hundreds of millions arresting thousands of our citizens for possession of a small amount of marijuana when most of the country has legalized it for med medical or personal use? Uh, Andy, uh, about that... Uh the uh, arrest, because I remember having a conversation with a Decatur County prosecutor, oh gosh, a couple years ago, on marijuana legalization, and he says that it's a it's a fallacy to think that our jails are just full of people with simple possessions, saying that it's very rare that people actually stay in jail for an extended period of time on simple possession. Usually they were doing something else like had a weapon or you know driving while intoxicated, and so the 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 the, the story that that people are sitting in jail just for, for having a joint is not necessarily the case. Well, I certainly can't argue any person's personal experience, but I would say they use it predominantly as a precursor for a stop, and most of those variables are being taken away from them. I believe now you can no longer use smell as probable cause for searching a car, so it seems like they're using it as an excuse to do other things. So I find that disappointing. Um, but also that's... 
I don't know. I would disagree. I would disagree. Well, again, I, I, I would personally disagree, but I can't say that they're incorrect because I don't know their experience. But uh, I know at least in Indiana, there's plenty of people getting arrested for this kind of stuff. Um, now, what I can't speak on specific cases, I, you know, I don't yeah. know. Especially outside of Marion County. Yeah, yeah, because we are blessed that we have mirrors here in Marion County, um, where they if it's under was an answer to they don't even they don't even worry about it. It's not worth the paperwork. We looked at one to chime in there for a second. Yeah, yeah, um, you know. IPAC has, has gave us some numbers over the last uh, year. And IPAC so. is the Indiana Prosecutors Attorneys Council. They represent all the prosecutors in the state of Indiana. Yes. Just, let's just let everybody know. Yes, <laughs> and, and uh, IPAC has, has came out with a lot of numbers of individuals who've been arrested for simple possession over, over the last four years before this year. So 2018 to 2021, through those four years, uh, nearly 100,000 arrests throughout the state of Indiana for simple possession of cannabis. And those people were prosecuted in some form or another or, you know, diverted however they could make those deals. Um, and the prosecutors, in a lot of cases, get the, the Ws and the, even the, in the diversions for those cases. So, um, you know, it's the, just the right thing to do to, to stop arresting our citizens for simple possession of cannabis when we have much um, serious, more serious crimes being committed uh, and, and, you know, uh, needs solved. And that's not being done when we're wasting our time and resources with simple possession of cannabis, something that's never hurt anyone. Our guests in the room today are Alicia Tuckadotary, William Henry, and Andrew Bowman there with Indiana Normal, the folks who are pushing for legalized marijuana in the state of Indiana. So with any lawmakers back uh, in a week or so, uh, we're having a conversation about uh, legalized marijuana. Uh, Alicia, let me ask you this, uh, because one of the things that has always popped up is if you if you legalize marijuana, you're just going to have a bunch of people driving stone. It's going to cause car accidents. It's going to... Uh, uh, my, my personal favorite was uh, when I guess when they legalized in Colorado, you could sort of grow it yourself. The power grid couldn't take it because people had the heat lamps all in their all in their basements and causing fire trouble. So what 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 do you say about sort of the the, the collateral issues regarding legalization? Sure. So uh, the first thing I would say is that normal is <clears throat> our mission statement lives around adult use and responsible adult use. So um, for that, everybody is different. Um, so taking that into consideration when it comes to driving, um, it, everyone's a little bit different. You can't really test for it right now to see if someone is currently high, but there are some basic cognitive um, tests that you can do just to see if someone you know is under the influence of any substance that you know they currently go through. Um, as far as uh, lights in the house. I don't know. Um, I, I think that's kind of a silly thing. My my family grows like tomatoes and stuff throughout the winter anyways. So I don't know if coming from an agricultural family, I don't think that's an issue. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see that being something that we should be worried about. Yeah. Because like I said, when, when I, when I, when I heard about it, I was like, Hey, if somebody's going to be, uh, obviously uh, you don't want, you don't want anybody driving under the influence of anything, uh, whether it's, you know, cold medicine or marijuana or, exactly. or, or alcohol, but, but I did think it was interesting, like, hey, if somebody's driving while they're high, they're driving five miles an hour, mm -hmm. and they're stopping at the White Castle drive through that, that, that way you know that they're there. Just and, call me crazy. And to your point, and I would never advise anybody to drive while intoxicated under anything, you're starting to see some studies show that if it doesn't make you a worse driver, but it doesn't make you a better driver. So if you're a, a common user, um, you would have a negligent difference in ability. You're also starting to see insurance rates drop in states where it's legalized, which is counterintuitive to increased traffic incidents. So I think the data is starting to show it's not this um, apocalypse situation 
it was originally put out as. I mean, but I'd say you still want to be safe. Obviously, don't use it while you're driving. Use it in a safe place. But um, it, it's probably, and more data probably needs to come in, but it's probably not as dangerous as it is initially made it out to be. Um, as for the lights, <laughs> uh, you know, tech, I'm not going to tell people how to run their life, but I mean, you have LEDs and all kinds of systems now to where the heat, there's the heat's negligible, the electricity use is almost undefined. Like I said, it was just it was just an yeah. interesting thing that popped up early on yeah. in the early days of, of legalization. Our guests on the program today are good friends at Indiana Normal, Alicia Tucker Daughtery, William Henry, Andrew Bowman. Uh, we're talking about marijuana legalization as any lawmakers will probably be taking up uh, this issue when we come back uh, on uh, January 9th. Uh, at least let me ask you, because obviously Indiana is an island, so to speak, in the world of legalization. Michigan is legal in Michigan, uh, but this still is legal uh, in Ohio, uh, in uh, Kentucky. And when someone asked me, Abdul, how far is how how far away is Indiana from legalized pot? Like seventy five miles. Just get on I seventy four, drive to Danville, Illinois, exit two twenty, make a right, go five minutes, make a make another right on the frontage road, then make another. Don't ask me how I know this. I just I just do. But, but whenever I stop by the dispensary, I always see tons of cars in the lot and tons of Indiana license plates because there's no plates on the front of the car, just all in the back of the car. What does that tell you that you know? Outside of Indiana, like I said, whether it's, you know, Michigan, you know, Ohio and Kentucky to, to a lesser degree that apparently people want their cannabis. Yeah, it, it kind of makes me sad because we're missing out on all that revenue as a state and patients who are suffering have to drive and take that risk um, and not have what they need to feel better in their lives. So for me, it's a huge miss. Um, William? Yeah, and most of those vehicles in those parking lots are from Indiana. A lot of those people going into those doors of those facilities are from Indiana. They they want this substance. They want help that this substance provides, and they can't get it here in the state. They're going to another state, and they're paying taxes to that other state for illegal access there and then bringing it back and potentially being a criminal here in the state of Indiana if they're pulled over or arrested for the possession of that substance. So it's counterintuitive for us to continue punishing our citizens and criminalizing our citizens for this. We're attacking our citizens, and we shouldn't be doing that. We should be helping our citizens find access to this and find a, a regulatory system that works for everyone. Uh, Andrew, I remember having a conversation with Doug Carter a couple years ago, the, the superintendent of state police, uh, when Illinois legalized this. So I said, Doug, you guys can have like the roadblocks, you know, on I-65 and I-74, like to like, smoke in the bandit or anything like that. He's like, no, Abdul, we're, we're, we're not. Like if you, in a nutshell, if you're obeying the law to the sense to the sense that you're, you're doing the speed limit, you don't have expired stickers on your license plate, your, your taillight isn't broken, you don't have tinted windows all fogged up, Nine out of ten times, if you got it, no one's going to pull you over because there's no, there's no there's no reasonable suspicion or probable cause to pull you over. Mm-hmm. I've heard anecdotally in the last month or two they've stepped up enforcement in that region. I've not seen that. I've had some family health issues where I've gone back and forth to Grand Rapids quite a bit recently, and I've not personally seen that any difference. Um, I have heard that. They could also just be telling people that. You know, hey, and then word spreads. And, but yeah, I, you've not, I've not seen that. And it, and from my talks with police officers, they all, the rank and file aren't interested in this. They're after actual criminals. Like they want someone that's pushing 300 pounds of Coke or something or freaking fentanyl, like actual dangerous items. Most of them don't care about cannabis, uh, particularly what, not on the small amounts. Uh, what has cannabis uh, impact been on uh, in the in sort of the overdose universe? I remember back in a while ago, we were having a conversation. Uh, about uh, Oxycontin and all those other sort of those painkilling drugs. 
Uh, but, but when cannabis was introduced, the overdose rates dropped tremendously, if my memory serves me correctly. Yes. Yeah, so in all states across the board that have uh, legalized cannabis, they've seen a 33% decrease in opiate overdoses across the board. That's fentanyl. That's um, pills. That's everything um, in those states collectively. So this is something that can save lives. And if we take 33% of Hoosiers, we're looking at 800 Hoosier lives that could be saved by legalizing cannabis. Um, William, your, your thoughts on uh, how cannabis has impacted the, the, the addiction community? Um, cannabis has absolutely helped uh, folks like veterans who have come back with uh, PTSD or other injuries and disabilities, and they've been prescribed benzodiazepine medications or opioid pain medications to treat chronic pain and chronic issues. This substance has saved those individuals' lives. Uh, a lot of um, veterans were coming home and they were overdosing on opioids and benzos. It was so commonly prescribed during that time and it was overly prescribed during that time. And when these uh, veterans had access to uh, uh, cannabis, we saw a great reduction overall, uh, uh, VA wide, nationally, of uh, folks who, who had reduced uh, those deaths uh, associated with opioid and benzos. Our guests on the program today for a few more minutes are uh, Indiana Normal, Alicia Tucker Daughtery, William Henry, Andrew Bowman. We're talking about uh, marijuana legalization and cannabis legalization here uh, in the state of Indiana to see what lawmakers will do uh, when they come back uh, in January. Uh, Andy, uh, you used to work for the Senate. You've been in that building a long time like I have. Oh, yeah. Uh, at what point did you see lawmakers start to change their attitudes on marijuana legalization? For me, it was about four years ago, and no one believed me. And then from just conversations with people where I was like, ah, tide's turning. But realistically, you really started seeing it on a public scale when the moms were committing felonies, crossing state lines, getting CBD for their kids with intractable seizures. When the veterans groups really came out and started fighting with, with William and Jeff Staker, uh, what was that, like three or four years ago? On the veterans issues, which is where I met most of these people, was was when I was actually the Senate my last year there as they were getting more involved. So you've really seen it with that. Where, you, where I think the byline is non-traditional or non-stereotypical users are coming out and saying, hey, I use medical cannabis or I use adult use cannabis for what I see as a condition. I'm finding relief from it. I'm not a criminal. I'm not, you know, causing a bunch of problems, this and that. Uh, and I think that's where you've really seen it is, is that the culture's embraced it, um, whether it's on more TV shows are mentioned whether it's become the butt of like friendly jokes and non-malicious jokes, you see that as it gets more in the zeitgeist, um, as cultures embraced it, because uh, it is a cultural issue. I think you've really seen that shift to where um, I firmly believe if leadership put it up for a vote, we'd pass medical use. It'd be a fight, but we'd pass it. Uh, Alicia, let me ask you, uh, because uh, one of the things that a lot of folks uh, will have against marijuana legalization is uh, personal experience with family members who had addiction-related uh, type issues, and they just can't get over that over, over, over that hump. How do you convince those folks who have you know, personal stories, and even though their loved ones may not have been using uh, cannabis or marijuana, but they were using other substances, other drugs, they just can't, they, 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 they just can't make that leap of faith? I think COVID really brought this to light because everyone started um, as a mass, not everyone, but using more alcohol. Um, and now you see everyone is kind of like trying to stray away from alcohol and let that go and, and kind of embracing cannabis. Um, I think because of the less addictive properties and because of the effects of cannabis not being so um, negative as you would if you were to relate it to, to alcohol. Um, but I would also say that there 
if you know someone in, that suffers from some kind of health problem um, that uses cannabis, you can see uh, the positive effects of that in, in the same light. Um, being someone that really suffers from um, colitis, I, I have to use cannabis to feel better in my life. Uh, if I'm to share a personal story, I think that the personal stories are really, really important. That's what I'm telling everyone. You have to get out there and you have to share your story. Call your legislator and tell them um, you know, how this is positively or affecting your life. Um, and I think that if you look at the positives and, you know, you, you weigh those against the negatives and it's really just common sense. Uh, other question for you, Andy, real quick here uh, on the issue of legalization. Uh, what are what would you what would you say would be considered sort of the health benefits of legalization? I know one thing has always been you can actually read what's on the packet <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. See, and see how much you get. You're not buying it off the street. Mm -hmm. I, I would say the the ones that can be that are inarguable facts are that the, the cannabis and hemp plant is a sponge. They use it for remediation of uh, bad ground. And so one thing you really have to be careful of is that this plant can suck up pesticides, um, heavy metals, bug um, dander, we'll call it, those type of things. And, and that can, if you already have a compromised immune system, that's going to give you the business. Right. For those of us that are blessed that don't have that issue or current ailment, you might just have like an allergic reaction where you're a little bit more congested or you cough a little bit more or you sneeze. But for people that are already sick, this is really bad for them. And so I'd say the immediate benefit of legalization or fair regulation is that you get those people that cut the corners that use pesticides or use all these heavy chemicals when there are plenty of organic options, but well, maybe that's a different to talk, but um, you, you know, and so it's just getting those risks out, those initial risks. And then we're already seeing in some studies, I don't want the FDA coming after me or the department of health, but like you're already seeing studies where these cannabinoids and terpenes are starting to show legitimate medical benefits. And uh, so it's, it's just, I lost my train of thought on there. Cause there's just so much stuff with that, but like, it's just, there's so many ways that this thing is helpful. And, um, but the initial benefit, I would say, that's inarguable is just making sure you're not having plants that have the pesticides, met metals, and those issues. Mm -hmm. And then the other health benefits will start to show themselves as well. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.